You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, how's it going? Paul Caffrey here from the Content Academy and I am joined by Philip McGrath. What's up, Phil? How's it going? Yeah, it's going really, really good. So there's a lot going on. Um, obviously, we were nominated for awards recently with Little Woods Ireland Blog Awards 2016. So there was a bit of social promotion. I'd like to thank everybody who voted for us uh, on that. Mucho gracias. Uh, and you know, fingers crossed, we'll we'll get onto the the short the finalists list. I should say we were on the shortlist, and so, um, but yeah, there, there was a lot of votes, uh, and it was just very appreciative and, and very humbling that so many people actually took time out to to click the vote button because. It was a little cumbersome. There was kind of two steps there where you had to fill in an email address where you possibly didn't expect to. So um, it was nice that so many people did. So thank you very much for that. And you know but, what, Paul? A lot of people really, really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's I'm quite overwhelmed, actually, by the amount of votes we got. Um, I know we, we obviously promoted the hell out of it and really wanted to get some votes in there, but I didn't expect so many. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's, uh, it's nice, so, isn't it? Thank you very much, folks. Yeah, um, this podcast is the first of many, I should say. So I suppose up until this point, you've probably been very used to hearing myself and Phil have a little bit of banter at the start and then um, interview guests. We've had some great guests come on the show. Um, now what we've decided to do is add a second podcast a week. So now you're going to have the traditional us interviewing uh, successful online business owners, content marketers, and, you know, a whole lot more. Uh, but now we're going to do a show where we are going to exclusively talk about content. Um, we're going to look at the news. So what's big in, in the online world when it comes to content creation? Um, we're going to have a piece of content called uh, really originally called content of the week which is where either myself or phil are going to pick out a piece of content that we've spotted that we think you know this is interesting i just talk through the pros and cons and you know the benefits that we see from it um on top of that there's going to be a general topic for the show we're going to talk about maybe some blog posts that we've published recently um, and also we will be introducing a questions and answers section uh, too um, there are no questions or for today so there will be no answers given <laughs> um, <laughs> quite simple and so really looking forward to it and it's kind of us going back to our roots because we started out with the two of us podcasting together uh, and I dare say Phil it has probably been I don't know, maybe three or four years, maybe even longer since we've actually consistently just podcasted with it being just uh, our two voices and the two of us having, so having a bit of crack and a bit of banter. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's at least four, possibly five, since it was just the two of us to quote, uh, what was that song? Will Smith. There don't you go, Will Smith. With that awful rapper that you always used to listen to when you were a kid. Those movies are pretty good, so props to him for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it certainly has, hasn't it? Because yeah. obviously with the football, we talked about football, it was great crack, but, you know, we got picked up, we worked national radio, and, and look, you know, you get a producer, you, you get a, a professional host in to, to work with you, and I suppose uh, all that comes along with that, although it's, it's very, very nice, um, there is something refreshing about actually not having to go to a recording studio to do a podcast. That's probably the biggest thing i like because at the start i loved going and at the end i was like oh my god i've got to drive somewhere <laughs> yeah. to actually record a how, show how dare you make me leave like, i've got to wait in a green room because um you know the producer isn't ready or the studio has been double <laughs> anyway so really really nice so um 
looking forward to it. Um, so I guess um, the first, I suppose there's a whole plethora of places that we could start. Just before we start, sorry, Paul. Go on, go on. Uh, kudos to those of you who did reach out also. Uh, I did kind of dig for a bit of music, if you remember, in our last podcast as we announced our uh, our nomination on the uh, shortlist for the Blogging Awards. And that bit of celebratory music was, in fact, from Mario Brothers. So you're dead right, those of you who really enjoyed that little bit that I squeeze in there. Fair play to you for, uh, for spotting that and reaching out to us. Uh, good man, Mario. Good man. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Oh, nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, so well, I suppose we'll get started. But before we do get started, I'm just going to mention the fact that we now have our Content Academy Mastermind live. Um, we've, I suppose, been not, not inundated, but there have certainly been requests for us to, to kick something off like this. So, we, you know, finally taken action and there's been some execution and, and it has happened. So the Content Academy Mastermind is live. So you could find that on our Facebook page. We'll have links in the show notes. Or if you Google content.academy space mastermind, it should pop up fairly quickly. Um, that is going to be quite exciting because there's a, there's a lot of really great mastermind groups out there. Um, but I suppose we're looking at doing things with a little bit of a twist. So um, first thing is myself and Phil are going to be quite active and it's, it's going to be us. It's not going to be other people. It's not really going to be too much automated software. It's just going to be us getting involved. Um, and what we're really looking at is kind of two or three key areas for people. So um, the first is accountability. Um, it's, I mean, look, come here. We all have loads of ideas and stuff pops into your head and you think, yeah, I must do this. I must do that. But at the end of the day, ideas aren't really worth a whole lot unless they're executed. So um, our focus is on content and, you know, making great content, being that to kind of differentiator to make your business, you know, better. Or sometimes that can be the core of the business, that intellectual property that you um, create uh, as uh, you know in invert commas content uh, can sometimes you know be uh, the business itself so no matter what you know our view is that in this world because it is so much content being created it's getting so noisy online that your content needs to be exceptional it needs to be the best uh, in whatever niche you're working in or as close to as you can get it and that's really where we come along to try help you uh, reach those really high levels and then bring on the additional level of success that comes along with that so um, we're looking at accountability so uh, on Mondays, uh, we'll be basically checking in with people within the mastermind and kind of, you know, asking, you know, what are you actually planning to achieve content-wise for the week? Um, so we get a little bit of commitment where people will be uh, just mentioning, you know, what their content goals are. So, for example, my content goal this week was I am working on a module, just one module uh, of a course, which we're, we're working on. Uh, and it was really just to kind of go from the, the brainstorming kind of, you know, skeleton to actually writing it. So writing a couple of thousand words and getting it written, you know, and we'll then check in with people on a Wednesday to see how they're getting on. And then on a Friday, we'll uh, have a section where we'll, we'll be looking to review it. And we'll probably be jumping on doing a lot of Facebook lives around that side of that, that sort of thing. Um, and again, with the aim to be helping people within that group itself going to do live Q&As. We're probably going to do them on Thursdays, Phil. We probably have to chat about that, what way works best for us. Um, and again, that's going to be Facebook Lives and questions and answers, all around, I suppose, content, online business, all that stuff. And now, look, you have to be in the mastermind group to actually get access to this. Um, and then we're looking at having, you know, the content of the week that we are going to talk about on the show. We're also going to have content of the week within uh, within 
the um, actual mastermind itself and there'll be a little bit more info written about it there uh, and possibly a Facebook live on it and also I guess that you know the final thing uh, and this is something that we're going to have to nail down so it's going to take a couple of weeks until we do but we're going to be doing live classes so we're going to start teaching within that mastermind group uh, we're looking at software we're not too sure what software to use or whether to just kind of go um, you know face the camera and just and just do do it that way um i suppose we'll 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 decide that but what i can absolutely uh, commit to is that there is going to be exclusive content uh, you know uh, taught within that uh, mastermind itself so what we're looking for is people to join if you actually create content you're interested and you, you know you've got you know targets that you want to meet you, you've got goals you want to achieve this is the group for you because we're really about execution helping each other out and pushing everybody forward collectively so the collective group is advancing uh, and also look as what you get with normal groups you've got a platform to ask questions you've got um the option to rub shoulders with other people within your niche or with, certainly within uh, i suppose doing online business uh, and then from there it's just you know a typical networking uh, environment so um, we launched it a couple of hours ago uh, and we have seven members so there you go a uh, whole it's going to be you're going to get quite a lot of attention from us if you come into the group especially early on when the numbers yeah. are so so low well that's it it's uh the, the attention span uh you'll have our undivided attention at the moment until obviously the busier it gets the harder it becomes to keep up with everything and, and reply to every single comment and question which we will obviously endeavor to do but well at the, at the i moment, have a i have a solution for that but i'm going to save it for our news of the week but we'll, well there you go we'll, but we we'll parked that for the moment at the moment get yourselves over to facebook and come on into the mastermind um okay content news from the web so interest in news articles that we have seen that we think are relevant that we think you should be checking out and maybe you might just challenge the way that you're thinking so we i am um, we've picked out three different uh, articles um if you don't mind, Phil, I'm going to kick off and kind of give uh, my point of view on them. Uh, and then I'd really like to, to get your take as well. And we'll, we'll just Not talk about it. Yeah. Um, I saw this, this article on a website called emarketer.com. And the I suppose the heading is quite interesting. Because, you know, how can marketers benefit from automating content creation? And I, like when you think about that a little bit further, right? Um, Content creation is core to what we're doing, uh, and the technology platforms that we're using to um, to do it are, are always key. And you can get a real competitive advantage if you either adopt a new emerging technology, let, let's say for example, like Facebook Live, um, or if you have you know you've invested or you've got some sort of software there that can automate. However, on the flip side, if you just go buffer crazy and you just start pushing out content, 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 people start to see well in a social media feed. Well, this is kind of this is just a you know spammy kind of buffer. There's there's no personality here. There's, there's very little authenticity. Now you kind of have to find a balance. But um, what I would, what I found quite interesting is Forrester Consulting. So if you're not aware of them, they're one of the the biggest consulting companies in the world, uh, and they would they would make industry predictions for you know many many industries you know um i've i suppose i've worked with them a lot within it uh, um the key thing that you can always look at is far so they get a really really great sample and they usually get a decent sample size and they're sampling the right people so what you tend to have is really really clever or perhaps the, the most important people in inverted cameras again to say that phrase twice in a podcast uh, and, and you get some incredible insight so 
Uh, one one of the things that uh, that we looked at, I saw was fifty six percent of respondents believe that automating content creation will allow them to be more to create more modular content um, and create a dynamic content assembly. Um, and then forty seven percent were saying that they'd be able to to adjust or respond in real time. So what this is kind of saying is is the larger companies are actually number one they're identifying that content creation is is incredibly important, and it's now becoming mainstream because if you're getting stuff like Forrester, so for example, I mean a Forrester you know um, research paper that's that's a hundred grand plus. It, it it really is very very expensive. Generally, maybe you can get it a little bit cheaper, but it, it's a serious investment that someone is putting into this. Um, and it's also interesting that they're kind of saying that, well, if somebody likes this piece of content, well, how do we actually dynamically serve them another piece of content, which um, is actually, you know, linked to what they like? Uh, and I suppose if we take that a step further, if we were thinking of being able to maybe do that with, with our website, it's kind of nearly like having, you know, related posts or, or similar posts or, or whatever, um, but then having it happening in, in real time as such. Um, but the other thing that jumped out at me was, um, essentially revealed that 64% of business executives worldwide said that, uh, their copy produced moderate volumes of digital content uh, and assets. Okay. So, um, that was quite interesting, but then they were looking at it and they were saying that, well, 90% expected it to, to really, um, to massively increase within the next few years. So what we're going to see is we're going to see the big players starting to produce a huge amount of content as well. Um, so with that in mind, um, what's your thoughts on people on businesses trying to compete, Phil, with, you know, let's say, you know, the larger players out there producing a lot of content, like the hub spots of the world versus maybe kind of the, the one or the two man bands who are out there. Um, I mean, do you kind of, do you think people should be starting to, to look at automation? Listen, I mean, like everything, if you can automate certain tasks, I don't see the harm in it. The problem arises when everything becomes automated and you, you lose that personal touch. I mean, for the one and two man bands, I think the biggest strength that you have is indeed you as the brand. That you know, and it's something we recognized very early on, Paula, was that yes, people enjoyed the content we created, but they also wanted access to us. And I think you have to be mindful of that. You have to give them that access as well that they can get access to you, pick your brains and really get their questions answered rather than just pushing out content that yes, will be helpful and insightful and useful to them. But really, they might struggle to understand some core dynamics of that and all they'd really love to do is pick your brains and clarify. Yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and I think maybe not to get so hung up on automation. Um, automation is, is a great next step, but I think the first thing to look at will be processes. So have you got processes in place? Like, do you have a process for how to write? You know, we spoke about this at length, you know, have time for coming up for ideas, keep them somewhere, schedule time to actually write, schedule time to research. So I think for the smaller businesses, that's probably the, the bigger uh, the bigger thing uh, before getting into automation. Um, because look, obviously there's a cost there. So you want to have a, a decent uh, income and you want to have a, a very good, I suppose, return on investment piece. Um, there was two more points that jumped out from this study that I thought were, were very, very interesting. Um, uh, the first was that 21% of businesses saw content creation as a way to increase their share of, of the wallet. And I suppose in the corporate world, the wallet is 
customer is spending 20 pounds per month with us how can we get that customer to spend 40 pounds per month i think it's kind of the first time that i've seen content creation actually being talked about as a way to to get a, a share of the wallet uh, and such so that that's quite interesting so content creation is kind of moving into that and this is something that we've all we've spoken about for a long long time that um uh great content gives you the right to actually um demand a share of the wallet because you you've, you're producing better you're producing content which is giving value um so i thought that was quite interesting um and the second thing which jumped out at me just that i suppose the final point i'd make on this was that um of the p of the businesses sampled 41 percent um actually already have some sort of automation in play so 41 percent these big companies have that in play at the moment um, and then 17% are looking at that over the next 12 months or so. So it, it kind of does mean that automation is not going to be in play for, you know, at least half of the large corporates globally, if we're to go by that report. Um, but interesting to see that that, that many have actually uh, implemented already. Um, I'm kind of finished with that. I, do you have anything else you want to add on that? No, listen, I think you've done, you've done a good job of summarizing that. And we'll make sure there's a link to that article in the show notes so you can get a look at it. Yes, absolutely. Um, the next article which um, which jumped out at me, um, it is from a website called chiefmarketer.com. Uh, and the article is titled, Erasing the Line Between Content Creation and Engagement. Um, and I suppose what's quite interesting about this is we've kind of spoke about the way that, you know, um, people who consume content, consuming content used to be a one-way thing. You know, you you create some content and, and, you know, people would consume it. You know, sometimes I might leave a comment, but not, you know, especially in the early days, not really. Uh, and now what we've kind of seen is, okay, so if you even, this also applies if you're selling goods or services, it used to be kind of a one-way thing. You know, you'd sell your goods or service to a, to a customer uh, and then they wouldn't do a whole lot. But now we're kind of in a world where, because people have a social voice, um, they're nearly become brand ambassadors for both the content that you create, but also for the, you know, the, the goods and services that, that you sell. Because let's face it, it's very easy for somebody to to comment negatively on a piece of content, um, you know, whatever the platform is, whether it's your website, whether it's Facebook, whether it's LinkedIn, or for them to go onto social media and kind of, you know, call you out for being really, really good, but equally being really, really bad. Um, but what this is, this article is kind of saying, it's kind of getting at the, you know, content creation and engagement, um, that it's kind of becoming the one. And, and what they're kind of um, outlining is that. You need to take a relationship first approach um, to influencers. So it's kind of identifying the fact that you will actually, you'll have a lot of people consuming your content and that's fine. But then there's going to be a portion of your audience. And this article is kind of, it's kind of, it's, I suppose it's always hard to say, but there's going to be a portion who are going to actually respond. They're going to actually share. They're going to comment positively and they're going to influence their friends, their family, their tribe, uh, you know, or their followers to actually look at your content as well and they give an example in about this uh, this um youtuber from russia who um you know he was he was releasing videos and, and then he started to actually focus them a little bit more and give a call to actions um to his you know his influencers as such and what he, what he was able to see was that his campaigns when he actually gave call to actions to his influencers and actually left some sort of call to action to engage with people um he was finding that 10 percent he was getting 10 percent more traffic to his his site and for his campaigns and, and various bits and pieces and it was really true that kind of social influence that 
that people uh, had who were consuming this content, who liked it, who shared it. So I just thought that was quite interesting because um, obviously it's something that we're seeing increase a lot. Um, and I, I think I'd agree with it that the lines between content creation and engagement are blurring because, uh, dare I say, should all of your content now nearly have some sort of call to action? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, I would certainly be an advocate that everything should have a call to action. It doesn't have to be a big ask, remember. You know, it can, can just be the smallest thing like, uh, you know, go and join the Content Academy uh, Mastermind group. There's my call to action. Go and do that. It's a small ask, but it's still an ask nonetheless. And you're looking to see if it, you can get it to convert. And you can monitor these and change your call to actions over time. So certainly I think it's a way It's a way to go. But I, I agree with the article. I think the, taking the relationship forced approach um, is certainly something to look at. And when it comes to influencers as well, and again, I, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical of of the word influencers or the term because i think well, a lot so of it is a term and it's been around even since i was in college 10 years ago it's yeah it oh i know long. but it's it's taken a whole new meaning of over the last 12 months i think where we've seen a lot of personal brands i'm going to use that in an inverted there's comments. backlash isn't there phil we've reached the point of backlash there's a little it's bit of bullshit there's a, there is a little bit of bullshit on it, absolutely. Um, I'm going to call bullshit on some of them because uh, I've seen a lot of brands reach out to large, um, I won't even say large social accounts, where, where they would have... Say, to large celebrities. No, say, no, oh. to, to large social accounts. So we're talking about kind of, you know, f um, YouTube famous or Instagram famous people who have large followings. And brands are reaching out to them to work with them and get them par to to become part of their marketing campaign. And I've nothing wrong with that. I think if you've created the time to build a brand for yourself and you know you've got some uh, some good content going out there that is bringing in those followers, well then fair play to you. But the big problem I'm seeing at the moment is a lot of brands are reaching out to these accounts and just looking at the amount of followers they have without actually researching whether they're going to get any engagement from them. Because what a lot of people are doing, and I'm not saying all, but I've seen a lot of people do it. They are practically like for like. So you've got an Instagram account with 50,000, 100,000 people following it or a Facebook account or a Twitter or whatever it might be. But there's no there's no real people behind there. There's no engagement in it. They don't monitor engagement. All they're monitoring is we're going to pay, you know, 200, 300, 500, whatever it might be for you to do a short video uh, and put it out to your 100,000 or 50,000 or however many followers you have. But they don't seem to care about the engagement. And that's something I'm very worried about going forward. Yeah, well, I think that that gives an opportunity in itself as well, because at the end of the day, businesses have to spend money on marketing and marketing. It's I'm not say it's a dark art, but it's something which isn't totally understood because you can, you know, it's very hard. What we can confirm and um, we can strongly confirm is that you need to market. It, it, there's no question that your products and services need to be marketed, but the, the how they should be marketed is always up for debate because I might see something in a newspaper that might sway me a certain way and I might go out and make a purchase. And that's a really old school way of looking at it. But even me making that purchase, I might not realize that I saw that ad in a newspaper, for example, you know, um, subliminal marketing. Well, it is though, isn't it? That's no, what it's it about. And <laughs> like there's, there's a whole piece there, um, which actually, um brings me possibly onto our next topic but i'll, I'll park it for the moment the reason i, I mentioned in the facebook uh, about our facebook group um having influencers uh, within it um and i will be uh, optimistic that we will as we start to grow that we will we will pick up some um kind of i would say you've maybe tainted the, the, the term influencers um but somebody i mean the way the way i look on this is if you do it well the first thing is it's authenticity. So if you're authentic, so for example, Joe Rogan, he goes out and he, he, you know, he promotes 
products, goods, services that he uses. There's authenticity there. Fighter and the Kid podcast, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that we could go on and list, and you can kind of oh, go, yeah. okay, that, that's real, and I like that. I have no problem um, with that. That's, that's, that's I think fine. That's, that's cool. And the second thing is, those social media accounts, they show their personality. They show, um, they give their opinions, their thoughts, and, and whatever else. So you can see it's real. So I reckon just, you know, if you have marketing spend, just make sure that you're actually, you're reaching out to real social influencers who actually do, you know, engage yeah, with their audience, they're, they're authentic, mm-hmm. and that they do actually um well, I don't think it's that they even socially. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's not even that. I don't. I'm I'm kind of saying it from the point of view that yes, they engage with their audience, as in they try and engage with their audience. So you will see the videos, you'll see stuff going out where they're looking for engagement, they're asking questions, they're kind of doing all the right things, but they're not getting anything back. And I don't think that the companies who are reaching out and spending their their marketing dollars, uh this way are actually getting any roi for it and that's my worry for a lot of people moving forward is they can see some brands doing this and they're starting to go oh that's a great way let's do some influence influence marketing or influencer marketing even um you know influencer. it's a yeah <laughs> easy for me to say uh, it's a great way of spending our some of our marketing budget but they're not doing it correctly so i've just it's just a, a little red flag i'm waving very very early and um, because i i'm gonna we're gonna see more and more of this um as the as the year progresses and in, into next year where we're gonna see a lot of brands start to spend a whole lot of money with digital influencers and again i don't think there's any wrong, anything wrong with it i think it's a, it's a very clever way of spending your marketing budget but just make sure that if you're going to do it that you're just spending the money with the right people there you go got it okay <sighs> Sorry. Moving on. Final <laughs> final thing that I saw. Marketing land. Um, it is an article by a man called Jim Yu, uh, and it was published two days ago. Oh, I've seen uh, this. Oh, good. The, it is the art of content creation and the science of the measurement. Um, and I like this because it's something that I think has always been at, at the core of um, what we've done. You know, we, we've always kind of, to some level, had a, an eye on the numbers. And I probably lean on the numbers a little bit more than you. And I've even went through phases where I've tracked the numbers of how many followers, how many hits, and all that sort of stuff on, on a weekly basis and trying to pick out trends. Um, and then I suppose there's the, the artistic nature of content creation. Um, what was your thoughts on, on the article? Anything jump out at you? No, I mean, when you're looking at it, I mean, te- as the technology is is, um, is evolving, you know, you have to be monitoring the success of your content. And that was one of the things that came up, you know, when they looked at the science piece in this article, that you really do need to monitor what you're putting out and how it's working for you. You know, so the amount of shares you're getting, the performance it's bringing in um, and kind of what your goals for that piece of content. And again, that's something we've spoke about before, Paul, having goals for content. Um, you know it's great yeah. putting it out there but having a go for it and just measuring and really keeping a track on it because you could be writing great content um but it mightn't be resonating with your audience so you need to you know learn how to measure that successfully you know so before your content's published you should know the role it's it's there to do for the persona it's designed for and you know if it's part of a buyer's journey maybe you've got something you're selling where does that fit in along your kind of um your marketing chain or your sales chain that you, you're trying to push towards the the end goal and, and get a bigger share of that wallet as, as a, i've just learned what that means <laughs> yes yeah yeah that's it i'll tell you what i'll get you into the corporate world yeah phil uh, I don't know. um the other thing i suppose yeah I, I suppose one thing that just jumps out and i suppose it's the the art of content creation um so i've been trying to study language recently and 
beautiful phrases and beautiful words and you know there's a whole lot to it um so that's kind of one thing is you know how does the content read but the other thing is actual visual triggers so you know one of the things it calls out is 90 percent of information transmitted to the brain is visual and processed 60,000 times faster uh, in the brain than text and we've kind of heard that stuff bounce around in various different guises over the years so it's yeah. not really news as such but it does just kind of bring you back to well hang on a second Yes, I have to make sure that my content is laid out clearly, that there's adequate spacing so that the text has at least a chance of being processed a little faster. I have to pick some nicer images and such. Um, and then how does the sentences read and flow and stuff like that? So I, I liked it because it just kind yeah. of, uh, it kind of brought the two things together. I like the way it highlighted the fact that, as you were saying, you need to know your numbers. Without you knowing your numbers, you're not really going to get anywhere. It's it's then there it's, is a, there's it's an art to this. It is it is a it is a it is a beautiful thing, a great piece of content. Yeah, I mean, it's not just knowing your numbers; it's knowing what numbers to look for. You know, anyone can you can you can look at the numbers, but are you looking at the right numbers? You know, have you set it out? Have you predefined it before you've published? Do you know what you're looking for or what you're hoping to achieve? Because you know, it just I feel that creating content is so important that you need to be creating the right type of content. And again, as I said, you can be creating brilliant content um, that could be technically sound, but it just mightn't be quite what your audience is looking for at that point in time in their uh, journey. So just bearing that in mind. Yep. I think that is a, a good uh, note to end that, that section of the show, the content news for the week. Um, now, next section, um, content piece of content of the week we need a better name for this section but today it's called content of the week phil do you want to share with our, our listeners what the, the piece of content for the week is yeah i mean it's it's a piece of content i wrote um and it's one that i've had some some amazing reaction to and i just thought i'd speak about it today and it, it's it's very um very simply kind of entitled how one piece of content changed my life um and it's more of a discussion one that i wrote kind of having a discussion with myself and you guys at home who who've been who've been reading the blog um about my very first piece of content that i created um for to be published i suppose to go out into into the public domain and had my name on it and clear for all to see this was my opinions on the topics uh, within the niche and, and so on and it was it's amazing now when i look at it how that how creating that one piece of content changed my life um you know when i say changed my life I don't mean, you know, made me rich or famous or anything like that. It didn't, you know, I still, still <laughs> I, I still was the same person the next day. It didn't have any great profound effect um, in that sense. But in terms of kind of the, it was the catalyst for what was to come, I suppose, um, and really kind of changed my perception on what I wanted to do and where I could go um in terms of online business and obviously what what we've since achieved um and it's kind of funny because when i look at it now that was a night i couldn't sleep that was a 3 a.m couldn't sleep decided to uh open up my my uh old and i mean old computer um my laptop um it was a dodgy sony laptop wasn't it it was no it was before that one again was it oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah that's how old it was it was a, it was an inspiron or oh, i can't remember what it was it was yeah it was cheap and cheerful um and i'd had it for years um but 3 a.m couldn't sleep and i decided to write an article um for the football website um and it's funny because i think about it now 
had I just decided like I normally would just turn on the television and see what rubbish was on TV at that hour of the morning. I don't know where where you know I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking now. So it's it's just funny, you know. And it's the, the kind of the reason I wrote the article was that a lot of people seem to struggle when it comes to creating content in terms of that worry about creating um or what people are going to think about it once they have created it um and you know i'm kind of hoping by writing the piece that people will look at it and say you know what fuck it (laughs) i've got a story to tell i've got a piece of information i want to get out there i've got my opinions on things um and to go ahead and create and publish because if you don't do that you're kind of you're depriving yourself of obviously what could be um and i'm pointing case for that but you know if you've got your content so if it's a review um of a product or it's just your take on you know marketing in its current state or content creation in its current state whatever it might be you know you're not only denying yourself of getting it out there as, as i said but your audience um you know because your piece of content may not change your life but it could genuinely change somebody else's and i don't again i don't mean big dramatic changes but it could have an influence on what they eat tomorrow where they go on holiday next week you know where they send their kids to school little things like that or maybe it's you know health products that they use or don't use you've no idea what kind of impact your video your podcast your article can have on somebody it once you put it out there the only thing i can guarantee you is that if you don't put it out there you will have zero effect on the world and and that's it you know Um, and that was why i wrote it because i just I kind of taken stock of where we are and what I've done and everything else in between and where it all started was that 3am can't sleep um and I just thought wow if I hadn't have done that where would I be today um so yeah it was kind of a, one of those top pieces where I was just I was in that mood um and Is looking it, back at it uh, if I want to read that where can I it's in the, we'll have a link in the show notes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. listen, I'll pop, I'll pop a link in the show notes to it. It's over on the Content Academy blog. Anyway, if you head over to content.academy forward slash blog forward slash one piece of content changed my life. But uh, listen, I'll stick a link in the show notes. Don't go worry about trying to remember all that. Yeah, very nice. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I nice was kind of a story, nice yeah, little ditty. Listen, it's, only, it's, not, it's not a big long article. It's, you know, it's a two, three minute read. Um, But it was just one of those things where I was kind of feeling... um nostalgic i suppose and 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 kind of looking back at what what we'd achieved and how it started um i think more because you know we've done done some some stuff lately and people have been asking more and more about our backstory and how we got started and what we were up to and um, you're trying to remember it (laughs) yeah it's kind of how did this how did i how did i get to here why, why am i sitting here why, why yeah um <laughs> and that was it it was kind of you know from ha- having had those conversations recently it kind of brought that up that and it's funny actually now paul because that 3 a.m writing session that kind of started everything for me anyway um was actually as a result of a mistake i couldn't sleep i thought i was suffering with insomnia um but i hadn't been well i had a, a, a flu and i'd gotten some tablets to take and uh, what i didn't realize okay yeah yeah i see where you're going what i didn't realize was i bought the wrong tablets and the ones i bought were uh packed full of caffeine 
So I was taking them before I went to bed, trying to clear my my sinuses and whatever else, and then wondering why I couldn't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So there you go. There's a a number of reasons I'm here. One, I bought the wrong tablets. Two, I got sick. And three, I decided to open my computer. So listen, it's strange the way life works. It could also explain why you uh, have a coffee machine next to your office and you drink copious amounts of it. (laughs) It's the the caffeine. That's it. There's a link there. There probably is. There's a subconscious link to caffeine and content creation. So, let me bring you along, Phil, on the journey to Paul's corner. I'm going to give you a little bit of a little tip that's going to hopefully help you and your content and maybe your life. Drink less coffee? No, no. (laughs) Drink more coffee. That's not possible. Um, The tip is going to be start utilizing the unconscious thought theory. I bet you haven't heard of that now. Bet that's new to you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Talk to me. New to many people. So, um, I was thinking there recently because obviously we're we're doing work on a course and you know various bits and pieces. And you kind of go down a lot of little rabbit holes in your research and you're working on this. And there's something that I've always done, and it's something that I I started in school and I used in college a lot. Um, and what I always used to do was anytime I got given an assignment to do, or anytime if I was sitting in an exam. You know, you always got the advice, read all the questions first before you start. It'll help you pick the right questions, but it'll also get your mind thinking about how to answer the questions. Never thought anything more of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, developing things a little bit further. Um, over the last kind of two years, I've started doing these miracle mornings, getting up in the morning and, and visualizing, you know, and I'd, I'd look at my calendar. I'd kind of see what will, what commitments will have in the diary today and tomorrow uh, and I start visualizing how they would go, and, and that's all fine. Um, but I did start to notice that, you know, in these small gaps, I was performing a little bit better if it was meetings or if it was calls or if it was just writing content or, or whatever I was doing. You know, the performance had increased a little bit. So it kind of got me thinking, why? 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 What's happening? Is anything happening here? So um, I basically looked into this, and, uh, and there's been a whole lot of research put into this. Um, uh, and there's this one study that, that caught my mind, the unconscious thought theory, and it was done by a Dutch uh, psychologist in 2006. Um, he, I've looked him up. He's, he's won a lot of awards. He, he's got a name that I'm not going to try butcher right now, but we'll have links in the <laughs> show notes. Um, and what he was basically looking at, well, what is the decision-making prowess of, of the unconscious mind? So he broke uh, the study into three groups of people. He gave people questions that they had to answer and decisions that they had to make. And the first group had very little time to do it. The second had ample time. And the third had ample time, but they were distracted. Okay, so what the, what he then found was the for the, the simple decisions, so kind of the, the easy decisions as such, um, the group with very little time performed best. Okay, so which for me was kind of a little bit of a surprise because I thought if it was a simple decision, I was slightly distracted, I'd probably just perform just as good or I'd maybe even give a better answer. Yeah, but yeah. no, no, it don't. It, it didn't work that way. But what he found was the complex decisions uh, and the complex questions, um, the groups with ample time uh, and the groups that were were distracted, um, they performed better. Okay, so the groups with uh, very little time, they didn't do so well with with complex questions. Okay, so... um, what was kind of interesting in, in that uh, is the fact that, you know, you don't have much time, but you've got total focus, um, yet you're not making a good decision. 
which I, I think, okay, you've, you've got a short amount of time to make, but you're not making the best decision. But people who are totally distracted doing a different task are actually able to make better decisions and perform better. So that to me didn't, you know, you're looking, well, why, why is that? And yeah. if we dig down a little bit deeper into how the brain actually works, we find that the conscious brain makes decisions more based on emotion which is kind of why they, they struggle with these, these complex decisions as such, uh, because they have emotion attached to it. Whereas if we look at the unconscious brain, um, the process there, it, it's free from bias. It's this reptilian mindset. So it's, um, it just totally just makes, it makes, puts together, makes the best decision. And the second thing that's interesting is uh, the, the plasticity of the brain, uh, of the unconscious mind, um, found that it's actually quite easy for the unconscious mind to put two different pieces of information together from two different parts of your life. So maybe something from years ago, something from recently, or, you know, two unrelated topics or whatever it is, but that just works a little bit better, which actually goes on to kind of say that, you know, the unconscious brain is, is better at making decisions and, and answering uh, complex decisions and answering harder questions. So, well, why is that? Um, it, it's actually because, you know, the, the brain, although you may not be aware of it, the unconscious brain is actually working and it's, it's working hard at it. And it's, it's in the background and you don't even notice it. And I suppose the only way that I can kind of relate that is if you think about driving a car, we've both driven for years, like, you know, probably 10, 12 years you're, you're driving. Mm-hmm. It's something that you don't think about, but yeah. let's, let's, let's break it down. We get in, we've got to turn the key. We have to, you know, make sure the car is not in gear. We have to apply the right amount of power on the accelerator to get going. We're changing gears. We're looking in mirrors. We're, we're keeping an eye on what's going on in the road, what's behind us, traffic lights, weather conditions as such. You know, the roads are swerving, speeds increasing, decreasing. You're doing a whole load of stuff. Yet we're driving this really difficult, complex machine. Uh, and, you know, we are effectively on autopilot. We can be talking to people next to us or maybe someone on the phone with a hands-free kit. Uh, or even, you know, as there's so much music out there and even as the Maroon 5 song goes, you know, people drive to relax and to chill out. And it's because their, their unconscious brain is processing that and making these, you know, a series of difficult um, and, and extremely important decisions that ultimately keep you alive. So um, where I kind of come down in a, in a roundabout loop to kind of to finish this off is if you are looking at creating a piece of content or if you are looking at, at working on your business and you know that, that challenge might be happening later today or could be happening later in the week, take a bit of time to digest what that challenge is going to be, read it, and then walk away. And I guarantee that when you come to it, you're going to start performing that bit better. You're going to have that slight edge. That's not the only thing you need to do. You need to have the processes to underpin it, to support you and and a whole lot more. Um, But really, if you want to talk about just trying to get a little bit ahead, get that unconscious brain working on those tasks, which you're inevitably going to have to do, is an edge that you should be looking to take advantage of. Yeah, really, really like that idea. I mean, it's something that you'll be surprised how many of you out there actually may already do without kind of thinking about doing it. I mean, as you were speaking about it, Paul, I'm kind of going, no, it's not something I'm too familiar with. But actually, when when you finished explaining, I'm like, well, actually, yeah, I do a lot of that because I will obviously plan out content in advance and I'll know what I'm going to be writing. And all that while, once I know what's coming up, it will be ticking away in the background. So when I do sit down to write, you'd be surprised how quickly the kind of the ideas and the words flow out onto the page because you have actually been working away in it without even realizing it. Absolutely. And, and I suppose if you think about it, like writing a piece of content, it's a fairly simple decision. Writing a sentence is fairly simple decisions. Um, yet 
you'll kind of struggle with it if you if you've got very little time to do it and it, it will just be mediocre it will be average but if you've kind of if, if you've challenged yourself with that i suppose the unconscious mind has worked on it and then you sit down and you know for half an hour that this is what you're doing i, I you know i just i just thought it was very interesting to see that this is an area of psychology that although there is debate out there there is a lot of study on it you know um and i really liked it so i think if you can try to check it out try to make a conscious effort to do it a little bit more maybe pick one or two things and, and let us know how you get on so that is my corner we're going to walk away from the corner it's done that is enough that's heavy enough i think uh for for this podcast um one more thing that we should mention and it is the interesting piece of content for the week so i came across the cv uh, of a woman called marissa mayer who i guess most people will at least heard of and a lot will probably be familiar because she's the ceo of yahoo who was uh, the google um exec who was you know there's a big fuss made when she left google to actually go on uh, and work with yahoo but I've put her CV into our Facebook group, which um, again, content.academy mastermind. And I just thought her CV was really interesting. Phil, what did you make of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, straight off the bat, aesthetically, it's very pleasing on the give, eye. Give us a description. What, what do you see? It's purple. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a CV for one of the world's top executives. Let's make that really clear. One of the world's leading CEOs. Yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that it's purple, obviously there is a uh, a very well taken picture, which again, not something I suppose when I go back to my days of putting CVs together, you never had a photograph on it. But uh, you know, businesswoman and proud geek um is the headline underneath her name. Again, something you don't see on a CV is a tagline. Uh, generally, it's name, date of birth, address, the more traditional kind of stuff. It's um, more, yeah, it's it's like you know, ma, you know. Other science degree master in business. Yeah. Of, uh, oh. You know, um, <laughs> not proud geek. That's personality no, we're seeing right there. You know, and it does obviously, there's experiences in there. Then life philosophy. And uh, in case you're wondering, Marissa's uh, life philosophy is if you don't have any shadows, you're not standing in the light. Yeah. That actually correlates really well with what you were saying with that that blog article a while ago. If you don't put your content out there, you never know what'll happen. Yeah, and that's Hopefully. yeah, yeah. That, that's how nicely done. Uh, but yeah, it does tie in, and that's kind of she's obviously put it far more eloquently than I ever could. Um, but uh, fair play, um, Mar- marginally more successful as well. But just, in Korea, just, you've, you've got time; she's a little older than you. I do, time. I do. I ca- I catch up. Um, but it, it's it's. I mean, at a glance, it's very easy to take in. Um. And it's not your traditional CV. It's like it's got elements of it in terms of you know her experiences and what she's qualified in doing, um. But it's more about her the person rather than her the academic, I suppose. Which is generally how our traditional CVs were put together. It was more about showing your academic achievements rather than just the person behind the the letters i suppose if you, I if you think, like i think what i read yeah absolutely i, I hear you 100 percent. and look she's qualified in stanford she's had a great career so that you know that's obviously something that she could, you could talk about but what was really interesting i found was the little wheel down the bottom you know a day in my life you know and it starts off with uh, you know spending time with zachary uh mcallister uh, and marielle uh, and uh sylvana so you know it's a bit of family time then it's you know 
public, you know, publicly resolving issues with Yahoo. And this is a little wheel. It's a circle. So it's like, a, you know, little sections are done. And you can see part of the day building business development and the future strategy for Yahoo and, you know, the future after Verizon acquisition, you know, showing Yahoo employees the meaning of work. And that's a big chunk of her day. Then it gets into, you know, I like this, like, you know, sleeping and dreaming about the 38th floor of the Four Seasons Hotel in San Francisco. I'm, I imagine that's awesome. Four Seasons hotels are always awesome. Yeah, but the 38th are. floor in San Francisco, something to check out. And it kind of goes off on that kind of thing. And just and then it's into her in personal life. You know, talking about, you know, taking care of the New York and San Francisco ballet uh, job owned by being a member on the boards. So highlighting the fact there's a little bit of charity work there. And then there's a little bit more personality talking about making cakes and things. Um, but not to get hung up on the detail. What I just really liked about it is um, a CV is a CV. And it's very traditional. And you're told it has to be laid out a certain way. And, and this is the only way that it can really look. And it has to conform. What this does is... And, and then people always find that well, I've, got, I've done too much. I can't fit everything I've done onto one to one page. You know, Marissa Mayer, who is, you know, worked at Google from product manager to becoming, you know, vice president of search products and helping that grow massively from, as it says here, 100,000 searches per day to over a billion per day. And like, she's done a whole load of brilliant things. And then all the stuff she's done with Yahoo, she gets onto one page. She gets a really interesting background. She makes a purple, as you say. Yeah, there you go and shows her personality, and um, I first found this piece of content that kind of uh, encompassed a lot of the things that we speak about is giving things your take, putting a bit of originality into it, putting a bit of thought, making it beautiful, making it visually aesthetic, it uses some nice images as such as well, uh, and then I suppose the originality just jumps out that it is, it is just, it is original, even though it is some, you know, I turn around to you and I say, make me an original CV, you're probably going to be like, well, well, CV is a CV. You can't, you know, it has yeah. to be a certain way, uh, and the authenticity and that within as well. I just think it is exceptional. So that is why, um, I suppose this is, you know, the, the piece of content of the week that has just kind of caught the mind. And what I would take away from it is, if you're writing blog posts, creating content, Facebook lives, whatever the piece of content that you're thinking is, how can you add your personality? How can you challenge the norm and challenge conformity? Uh, and how can you make it beautiful and engaging and personable as well? I suppose going back to the authenticity thing. Uh, and I think there may be questions that we should be asking ourselves a little bit more when it comes to our content creation, rather than just kind of going, well, it's a blog post, it should be 350 words and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, fuck the norm. Go and try to make something a little bit more original, a little bit more authentic. There you go. I cannot add any more. Cool. Phil, it's time for questions and answers. <laughs> Phil, I've done. I've got no questions. But I've got all the answers. I know, I know. So there you go. Anybody has any questions, send them to Phil. I'll yeah. read them out. He's got the answers. Yeah, and how can they send us their questions, Paul? Um, they can email you, phil at content.academy. Um, Twitter is a good one as well. Um, but I would rather, and I think the best way, is to join the Facebook group Mastermind, which is content.academy mastermind um, there will be a questions and answers post within there uh, and you can ask your question there or just post it randomly and we'll pick it up before next week's show boom there you go folks all in all moral of the story our ask for today get yourself over to facebook and join the mastermind um that brings us to the end of the show 
very interested to get your feedback on it. So uh, you drop us a message on Facebook or even within the mastermind itself. And um, I think that's a good note to, to end things there, Phil. Um, have you anything more you want to add? No, just again, as you said, send us your feedback. Let us know what you think of this type of format um, and what else you'd like to see us doing. <laughs>